In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Today in the Gospel reading, we read about this famous story uh, of uh, this paralyzed man, whom his four friends, caring about him, and knowing that Christ could heal him, brought him to the Lord. But when they got there, they found that the house was full, where Christ was, and so they couldn't enter. But they were very perseverant, and instead of giving up, they decided to go up onto the roof and find a way to lower the man down right before Christ. And Christ, we see, first asks the man, or first tells the man that his sins are forgiven, and then he heals the man. And we can see that these four friends of his were the ones that actually allowed this miracle to take place. The man himself is really not discussed in this story. We don't really know much about him other than he was paralyzed. But we see that the faith of the four men are the ones that actually produce the healing. This is why in the verse it says, um, because of their faith, right? It's because of their faith that he was healed. And so we can see in these four men uh, a model of service, of the way that we should serve one another and the service in the church um, because of their diligence, because of the way that they sacrificed themselves, the way that the faith they had. So we can talk a little bit about what are the characteristics of these four men where we can see like uh, a model of service in them. Um, so again, we read this in verse 19. It says, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling in the midst before Jesus. And this kind of maybe is one of the most critical verses in the whole thing because, because this is the amount of effort that they had to go through. This is the amount of, of creativity they had to have. This is the amount of perseverance they had to have in order to reach to that point and not to give up, okay? Which was one of, a big important thing about characteristic of theirs. So what's the first characteristics we're going to speak about? The first is that love does not seek its own. Um, these four friends didn't really do something simple or easy to do. And maybe if we were in a similar position, we would just walk away and say, sorry, well, we tried and, and it's, it's, it didn't work. There's too many people. There's too much of a crowd and there's really no other option for us. Um, but they sacrificed even more of themselves um, they were willing to inconvenience themselves even to bring their friend and to embarrass themselves. Um, and even though they didn't reap any benefit themselves from anything that they were going to do to, his, to their friend, but yet they still carried him and, and, and they took him. And, and they carried him when he wasn't able to carry himself. And we see actually that this is a model that Christ has for all of us in the way that we serve one another. In Mark chapter 10, it says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So Christ gives us this model and this example of how he wants us to serve one another. He gave himself up for us. He sacrificed himself for us. And he wants us also to serve one another in the same way. And so in the church, which is the house of God, which is a place that should exemplify the principles of God, then we ask ourselves, how can we practice this type of service where I serve others and, and I seek what is for their good more than I seek what is for my own good. Who is it that is in the church that is in need? Who is it that is suffering? Who is it that is lonely? Who is it that needs a friend? Who is it that needs you know somebody to talk to? Who needs it that needs advice in some way or the other, right? There are many of us in the church that maybe um, focus so much on the day-to-day -day activities and and my group of friends and um, my services that I do and all the things that I kind of expect when I go to church. But we ask, how, do we look around and try to see who is it that is actually in need? 
maybe we don't see someone who is paralyzed physically uh, the way that in this story we see a paralyzed man. But there are people that are paralyzed in different ways. Someone might be spiritually paralyzed, uh, feeling like they're not growing in their spiritual life and they're struggling. Someone is emotionally paralyzed, feeling like their emotions are overwhelming to them. They have some kind of depression or anxiety or they're socially paralyzed. They feel like they don't know how to make friends or, or to, to, to be involved in a group, in a community, and they feel ostracized or separated, and they don't know how to, how to, how to you know, get deeper into this community. Um, there's so many ways that we might find people that are paralyzed around us. And here Christ is calling us in this model of service to do for them what these four friends did, is to take out of our time and our effort to, to, and, and to use the talents and the skills that God has given us and to use it to serve another person. Another example or another characteristics we can see from the way that these four friends served the paralyzed men is they use teamwork. Um, in order for them to achieve this goal, they all had to work together. You know, if, if, if everybody had said, you know what, we're going to just, everybody had a different idea. You know, we should do this. We should do that. We should, we should go home. We should wait. Uh, we should go up. We should go down. We should, you know, if, if everybody had a different idea and they didn't work in harmony, together, then they couldn't have been successful. You know, when they came up with this plan of going up on the roof and lowering their friend in front of Christ, this required all four of them to agree and all four of them to work together for this goal. Okay. And, and we can think about this in terms of um, divisions. So a lot of times in the church, there are different groups and, and these groups are divided against one another, maybe divided based on um, some personal characteristic maybe uh, divided based on um, social status, uh, maybe divided based on opinion, uh, divided based on uh, what, we, you know, some, some group wants one thing to happen in the church, another group wants another thing. And sadly, we see in many churches um, these kinds of divisions. And, and in the first Corinthians, this is one of the issues that St. Paul was dealing with, is all of the divisions that was happening in the church. And so when he was addressing this, he said to them, now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Um, so harmony is definitely one thing. When we work, we work together, right, for a common goal. Um, and also we are called to work. You know, what if, what if they're out of these four people? What if only one of them was willing to work? and the other three were like distracted and busy with other things in their own lives and stuff, then they wouldn't, they wouldn't have had enough people to actually lift this man. You know, sometimes we, we look at all the services in the church um, and there's a lot of service to be done and there's a lot of good things that we can do. Um, but a lot of times we're limited by the people that are willing to serve, you know, of the, of all of the people in the church, how many people believe that their, their interaction or their role in the church is simply to come and attend a prayer, a liturgy, and then go home, right? And that's it. And there is nothing more that they offer, right? In order for us to really be successful as a church and to serve the world and to serve the members in the church and to serve the lost sheep and to serve the unbelievers and to serve every group of people that God is calling us to serve, then we all have to be active in the service together. We all have to see what, what how can my skills be used and utilized in the service, right? How is it, how is it that I can invest my time and energy into the service? We all have busy schedules and a lot of other responsibilities but God is calling us to serve him and he says I want you to serve and I want you to serve those people in the world that I have given you and so here this paralyzed man 
was a perfect example of someone who would never have reached this point of healing, would never have come before Christ if it wasn't for the, the, the harmonious service, the dedicated service, the committed service of these four individuals out of their love that they had for him. So we ask ourselves this question, am I giving to God? Am I giving back to him all the things that he has given to me? I am investing my time in service, or am I just expecting that this service is something that will be done by some other group or by some other person? Um, I, I just come, come and go. I'm, not, I'm, I'm more like a consumer rather than a producer. Um, I come and I benefit from all the services, but I don't really do much to participate in these services, to invest in the services, to add more services, and so on. So this is an important question for us. Um, another characteristic that we see in these four men is that their focus was on the service and not on the credit that they could have received. Uh, here, we can think of the example of the apostles um, during their ministry uh, with Christ that they began to argue with one another and they began to debate who was the greatest, you know, which one of them was greatest. They started thinking of what rewards am I going to receive? They started thinking of who of us is the most famous, is the most prominent, who is who of us is, is going to, you know, be seen as being the greatest of us, right? So they lost this spirit of service. They lost the spirit of I'm, I'm serving and doing good, not because I want to gain a reputation for myself, but because I want to serve the Lord, right? And sometimes, unfortunately, we do the same thing in service. We begin, we begin to be preoccupied with who is going to receive credit and reward for the work that's done. Like, uh, who's going to get credit for this idea? Who's, whose idea was this? I feel proud that this was my idea and this was the idea that was implemented. And I want everyone to, to know that this was my idea and this is the thing that I should do. I want everyone to know that I'm responsible for a particular service. I want everyone to know that I am doing this great work, maybe that I feel other people cannot do, right? But Christ, when he was rebuking the Pharisees who were doing the same, he said to them, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your father in heaven, right? In, in God's service, we should be more interesting, interested in pleasing the Lord and being seen and noticed by him and standing before him rather than to be seen or to be praised by anyone else, right? And so whether the service that we have is a prominent one where it is visible and seen or whether it is a service that is invisible and that no one even knows that this service is being done or that we are the ones doing it, it shouldn't make any difference to us. The goal is not to be seen, right? The goal is not to receive credit. These four friends, all they cared about was the healing of their friend, this paralyzed man. They didn't care about getting any kind of credit for anything that they had done. All they wanted was to serve him. And this also is a good model for us. We should serve with a desire for the work itself, a desire for, for helping those people and showing love to those people whom we are called to serve or whatever service I'm doing that I do it with my whole heart diligently, not because I want others to notice and to see me and to compliment me, but instead because I know that God is watching and sees and I do it for him and not for anyone else. Another characteristic we learn from these four men is the characteristic of striving and relying on God's grace at the same time. Okay, what, is, what does this mean? There's always this balance that we have to find between these two extremes. One extreme is I rely completely on my own effort and struggle, right? And this is an extreme. 
where I, I, I feel like it's only me and I'm having to do all of the work and the service myself, okay? Another extreme is I rely 100% on God's grace and I don't feel like I have any responsibility to do any work myself. Maybe I'm just going to say, well, God is going to organize the church. God is going to save the people. God is going to teach the Sunday school classes. God is going to do everything, right? So I don't have to prepare anything. I don't have to train. I don't have to do anything or put any effort or invest any time. I don't have to do anything. And it's completely God, right? These are two extremes, okay? Um, we see here in this story that there is a balance between these two extremes, okay? These men knew that only Christ could save, right? They knew that Christ was the healer and he is the one who could actually heal the man, their friend, okay? But he, they knew also that there was no way that that could happen or that would happen unless they first brought their friend to Christ, okay? And so if they had not brought their friend to Christ, then the man actually wouldn't have been healed. Even though the friends were not the healers, the friends were not the ones that did the miracle, but, but they were the ones who put the effort to bring him to Christ, okay? And we see this model in Ephesians chapter 2, when, when, when St. Paul is speaking about this, this um, balance between grace and works, okay? So he says what? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast right? He's saying salvation was through faith. It wasn't through the works that you did. For we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, right? So even though the salvation is through faith, but God wants us to do works, right? God wants us to do these good works, okay? So, so our work and our service is a combination of two things. It's a combination of the work of God and our own work. So, for instance, an example of someone who is serving as a Sunday school class, right? A Sunday school servant is not the master, is not is not the creator, is not the pontocrator, is not the is doesn't have the 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 you know is not is not able to like put in somebody's heart uh, like a desire for repentance or desire to change, right? Only God can do that. But a Sunday school servant can do the do a diligent job in preparing their lessons and doing visitations and, and serving their kids and, and giving them their needs and asking about them and doing all those things because th that is a door that can lead to them being more open to listening and to learning about the Lord, which then gives the Lord more opportunity to work in their heart, right? So it's a combination, right? We do our part and God does his part, just like in this story. So when it comes to us as individuals, right, we should be putting our maximum effort in any kind of service that we are called to do. And what is it that, that we can be doing in the church? Everyone should have a service. Everyone should have some service that we are investing our time in, that we are sacrificing our time to do and not just relying on others, right? This is the striving. This is the struggling. This is me doing my part. But in the end, the success comes because God is in it, not because I rely on myself. God is the one who is producing the fruit, but these, this fruit would not have been produced had I not done my role in the service. So this is an important distinction and, and, and an important characteristic that we learn about from uh, this story. Another important thing to learn is we see the value of personal gifts and creativity in the service, okay? These men, okay, when, when they came here to this scene where they wanted the, their friend to be healed by Christ, 
but there was a huge number of people and they couldn't get into the house. You know, at that point, they used their own minds and they thought, what can we do? What, what, what options do we have? Can we change something? Is there some, is there some opportunities maybe we can take advantage of? What ideas do we have? And they actually came up with a very creative idea, which is we're going to go on the roof of the house and lower the man from the roof. Okay. Because they persevered, because they didn't give up, because they thought and tried to be creative and finding solutions, right? They were able to be successful in the end and to bring the man before Christ. And so it's important for us to realize that each of us has different gifts of service, right? And, and each of us has a different approach to things. And maybe in whatever weaknesses that I have, the strengths of another person will compensate. And whatever weaknesses another person has, my strength will compensate. Which is why when we have more people involved in, in different kinds of services in the church, we'll get a better outcome. Because people will come with different perspectives, with different ideas. And then in the end, what will be, what will be done will be the best. Okay? And we read about these varying gifts in Romans 12. And St. Paul says, having been gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them, right? Let us use them. We, we, we thank God that we are all different, right? If we were all the same, then we would only have one solution and one approach to everything. But maybe that approach is not the right one. I need someone with a different background, with a different mind, with a different sense, personality, ideas, talents, and gifts in order to come and look at the same problem to the same thing and to come up with a completely different approach that might be better than what I, you know, have come up with, or maybe a combination of the two would be the best. So here, these four men were very creative in the way that they applied what gifts that they had in order to solve this problem and to figure out how is it that they would help their friend. So everybody has something to offer. You know, sometimes people think because they don't have like advanced degrees in theology or, or have like a deep understanding of a lot of principles, like that they have nothing they can serve. But that's totally wrong. There are so many things in the church that, that need to be done and that we need people of all kinds of backgrounds and education levels and, 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 and a lot of people that are artistic and a lot of people that are knowledgeable and a lot of people that are creative and all these people coming together to serve the Lord in harmony. I mean, this is this is what we learned from this story. The last point I want to mention is the power of intercession. Okay, this story gives us a model of intercessory prayer. Okay, what is intercession? When one person prays on behalf of another, right? When one person comes and asks the Lord to give to another, to 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 help another, and this is what we see in the story, right? Christ healed this paralyzed man because of the faith and the effort of his friends. You know, it says when he saw their faith, right, referring to the friends, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you, right? So this spiritual work that was done, that was accomplished in this man, which was the forgiveness of sins, came in large part because of the work of the friends of this man, that loved him so much and wanted him to be healed that they put all this effort to bring him before Christ, right? We see in another, an example of this type of intercessory prayer in many places in the scripture. I'm just going to mention one example, which is the example of Abraham interceding for Sodom, the city, uh, which was a wicked city, when God wanted to destroy it, okay? And so when God came to Abraham and told him, I'm going to destroy the city because they're wicked. So, um, 
Abraham starts to plead with the Lord and he starts to ask him, you know, what if there are righteous people living there? Are you still going to destroy it? He says, suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it? So the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And then Abraham asks him again and says, well, what if there is less than 50? What is there 40? What if there's 30? What if there's 10? Right. And so and, and each time the Lord said, I will spare the city for the sake of that. So what is it that Abraham is doing? He's interceding on behalf of the people in the city. He's asking God, spare the city for the sake of any righteous people that you might find in the city. And God heard his prayer. Okay. In the end, there weren't even that many righteous people in the city. And God rescued the righteous, which was Lot and his family, out of the city before he destroyed the city. So he didn't destroy the righteous with the wicked, but he brought Lot out of the city before destroying it. This idea of the intercessory prayer is very important for us as believers because we are called to pray for one another. And we see here that, that praying for one another has a real impact, has a real effect, is, 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 is not just, you know, sometimes we, 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 we use the phrase, I'll pray for you, to mean uh, I, I feel for you and I care about your problems and I care about you and, I, and, I, and I'm showing you support and I'm giving you encouragement, right? Like, like a lot of times that's what we mean when we say, I'll pray for you. We, we mean it, we mean it kind of in that kind of supportive way. And that's okay that, you know, we, we say that, but, but the, the real power of the prayer is that I'm praying to the Lord for you, asking him to change something, asking him to do something for you, right? So that it has a real effect. It's not just a token statement that I say to show support. It's something that I do to have a real impact and a change, just like these four friends, right? What, what they did was an action that resulted in Christ doing something, which is intercession. This is intercession. I'm making an action, which is an action of prayer, when we speak about prayer, that, so that the Lord will do something, right? It's, you know, those four friends, they, they could have just said, um, you know, like, like, we hope you feel better, you know, we, we, you know we'll, we'll pray that God helps you to feel better. But here, these men did all that they could, right? The, 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 the maximum amount they could is said, no, we're going to take you to him, right? We're going to take you to his feet and, and so that he, you will be healed. And so we see the power of intercession working in them. Um, so finally, um, we spoke today about several points that we can learn from the story of the four men bringing their paralyzed friend to the Lord. The first is, Love does not seek its own. They were willing to sacrifice and inconvenience themselves for the sake of his friend. The second is teamwork. They worked together and they were all invested in this work. If they didn't choose, if they chose not to work or if they chose not to work together and everybody had a different idea and they were fighting with each other, then they couldn't have accomplished this. Um, also, they focused on the service and not on receiving any kind of credit from the service. They cared about their friend to be healed and that's their, all they cared about. It shows us a balance between the striving and relying on God's grace, right? That God was the only one that could heal, but they did their part to bring their friend to him. The value of personal gifts and creativity. God gives to each one of us the different gifts that he wants us to use in the service to be creative in the way we apply the gifts that he has given. And then finally, the power of intercession. Okay? God wants us to pray for one another, to intercede, to show love to one another, 
asking God to heal not only us and to give only to us, but to give to others that we care about as well. So in conclusion, I'll just leave you with this verse. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister, right? We see this as a model of service. These four friends are a model of service that all of us can emulate and follow. And that we know that God will remember our work. God will see our work and this labor of love that we have shown to him because we minister to others, right? Ultimately, all this service is serving the Lord. We serve the Lord by serving his children, right? And so because we serve one another, right? Because we minister to the saints, it says what? We have shown love toward him and this labor of love, God will not forget. And glory be to God forever. Amen.